0: We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube, you eat like the tube, you raise your children like the tube, you even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off! Right in the middle of a sentence I'm speaking to you now!
1: Turn them off!
2: Hey folks, it's uh, time now for the General Knowledge Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 3, and for this one we've got a special guest on which we will bring into the conversation shortly, but uh, for now uh, we are ethan List, but I have got of course my old pal Andy Soames with me for this one. Andy, how you going brother? Good afternoon, General. Doing very well. Thanks, Matt. Awesome, mate. Thanks for joining me for this one. It's going to be be a good one. I've been very keen to have this lovely person on our show for quite some time after following her work. So um, we'll get into that very shortly. But I just wanted to uh, just to remind folks to uh, go over and head over to our Patreon account there. We've got uh, three podcasts now available for our uh, supporters of the show over there, specifically for those people only. And uh, the last one we did, uh, I actually did a solo effort and did it on the Stanford Prison Experiment of 1971. And I wanted to show folks how that parallels exactly with what's going on in Victoria right now uh, with regards to all the rules and the measures happening there and the uh, overreach of authority. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. And um, that's exclusively for our supporters over there. So once again, please, please head over there. Look, it's minimum of five bucks a month to support what we do. Look, it's a cup of coffee a month. Seriously, people spend more than that on, you know. A Slurpee every day, you know, when they are going to work or a coffee somewhere else every day Five bucks a month, not it's not a lot folks, but it really does help us out and you are getting something for that money But anyway, on to bigger and better things, like I said, this is season three, episode three of the General Knowledge Podcast Of course, uh, Andy is here with us and we've got our special guest today And I'll just read through this before I bring her into the show Judy Wileyman PhD is a public health educator with in-depth knowledge of historical of the historical control of infectious diseases she has spent many years investigating the correlation between the decline in children's health and the increased use of vaccines this research included examining the scientific rigor underpinning government claims that vaccines are safe and effective her PhD titled a critical analysis of the Australian government's rationale for its vaccination policy concluded that the government's claims of safety and efficacy are not based on hard evidence. They are based on undone science. That is, the empirical science that is used to prove the safety and efficacy of vaccines has never been done. Judy's PhD was completed in December 2015, and since that time she has experienced censorship in the debate of vaccination in both the mainstream media and the official channels for public debate. In March 2020, just as the world was facing lockdowns and social distancing, Judy published her book that is titled Vaccination, Australia's Loss of Health Freedom. And joining us now is Dr. Judy Wileyman. Judy, how are you going? Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Good. Thanks, Leigh. Thanks for having me.
2: No, it's a big pleasure. I've, uh, like I said earlier, just before we started recording the show, I've been uh, following your work for some time and the various other podcasts you've been on, um, just enjoying all the information you've been putting out. And it's great to see that you've um, got this new book available for folks too. And we will put a, a link to wherever they can find and purchase uh, that book as well in the show notes of this show. Um, but the reason I wanted to get you on is uh, you've had a, an article published very recently in, uh, is, it, it's, is it purely an online magazine? It's the Masters of Health magazine in the October issue, but I'm pretty sure it's just an online magazine. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct.
2: Awesome. All right. And we'll, of course, put a link to that in the show notes as well for this episode. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to really um, get you to to take us through that because it is uh, really tearing the shreds off of what's happening around the world and also, you know, even specifically in Australia today with regards to this COVID-19 global pandemic, um, or should we call it a plandemic? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I mean... Feel free to dive right in. Um, it's it's up to you, we'll take this and we'll interject with some questions as we go along if that's cool with you.
1: Yes, that's fine. Awesome.
2: The floor's right. yours, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, you know, clearly it's a pandemic. I mean, n- nothing that the government has said makes any sense and, uh, and the key here is, how we have controlled infectious diseases over the last few decades you know and that's why they want to censor my research so much and they you know right from the day it was published derogatory articles were were, were published in the media mm. about my research on the history of the control of infectious diseases and since that time which is now um, four years not a single journalist has um, allowed me to present, uh, the findings of my research, you know, in a, in a media article. And I'm never given uh, the right of reply when they write, and they've written many derogatory and defamatory articles about me in the media. Uh, so they, they're really trying to suppress this knowledge on the history of control of infectious diseases because it clearly shows that locking down healthy po- populations is not a measure that's ever been used in the history of control of infectious diseases mm. particularly since 1950 when these diseases were controlled uh, before all these vaccines existed you know uh, and this is the real key here you know if, to control and first of all you can't even um, predict a pandemic on a mathematical formula you know let, let's look at this properly this is the first time in history 2020 that that governments have decided we can predict a global pandemic using a mathematical formula that uses generic assumptions about all countries, the environmental factors and host characteristics of all countries. You know, that is bogus science. It's pseudoscience. And, um, Mm. you know, you'll know that in that article I wrote, I pointed out that um, after I made a very quick, spontaneous video in April, saying these things because i was so absolutely horrified that our freedoms could be removed you know with the click of a finger literally and we were going to have to accept these things as the new norm based on this pseudoscience and within two weeks of me making that little video uh jerem adams the u.s um surgeon general that was advising the u.s government on their policy mm-hmm. immediately dumped that mathematical model admitting they weren't using real data and of course that's the key to this whole situation You, you cannot predict a global pandemic and then claim as scott morrison has claimed that we've closed our borders as a precautionary measure for this virus because you haven't used real data to suggest that this virus is going to be a problem in all countries because it wasn't correct and until you've got that real data of how the virus is going to behave in Australia's conditions, because we don't base our public health policies on what's going on in, in China or Africa, where the environmental circumstances play a big role mm. in the virulence of any virus. Uh, and so the the, the the way you control infectious diseases is we we if, if a virus appears to be causing a serious disease, you first of all isolate the sick people and if it's causing disease whereby you can see healthy people without underlying health issues dropping, you know, um, catching the disease uh, and seriously um, being ill in the streets around you, then you would um, isolate those cases and, and case, uh, uh, trace their contacts and do those sorts of things. Um, And then, you know, you take draconian steps at the very end, but in in, in a developed country, infectious diseases can be controlled because of our, you know, improved environmental conditions and our wonderful healthcare systems. So, you know, this this idea that Australia has closed the borders as a precautionary measure is complete pseudoscience and and the government shouldn't be getting away with that.
2: Yeah, it's baseless. I mean, the, the term garbage in, garbage out with these models just rings so true, doesn't it?
1: Well they're using assumptions, they're not using real data and that's why the model was dumped. And and you see in order to actually claim a global pandemic on a mathematical model when clearly the virus wasn't in most countries, at, at the time they called it at best you could say there was a serious outbreak in some countries. So in order to call it a global pandemic the World Health Organization had changed that definition in 2009 you see the swine flu pandemic of 2009 which didn't turn out to be a swine flu sorry which didn't turn out to be a a pandemic and that the year was no more serious uh, than any other influenza year as we are observing today in 2020 but in order to be able to to call a global pandemic in 2009 That definition of a pandemic was changed in May 2009 and then a month later, in June 2009, the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic. Now, that's what I've explained in that article that's just been published. And, you know, the references for all of those things are in my PhD. But um, the changing of the pandemic, what they did was the definition, they removed the clause that required large numbers of deaths and illness in the population. So if you remove that clause and just say all you need is an increase in the number of cases of a disease, then of course you can increase the surveillance of that disease in the healthy people using a test that's not a diagnostic tool this PCR test,
2: mm, yeah, we'll get into that shortly to too. Not
1: licensed as a diagnostic tool to be able to diagnose an infectious disease, then you can find cases of healthy people that you're now calling cases of disease, and then publish those fraudulent statistics in the media mm. uh, because it's a corporate-sponsored media, and they have been primed to present this stuff. Um, um, and and you know, um, you know, it, it's it's a manipulation of statistics. That's yeah. how they've created the appearance of a pandemic, when anybody can clearly see there is no pandemic. No, the, walk outside.
2: Never, there's there's no one. There's I mean, in Queensland here, Judy. Andy will vouch for this as well. You you can walk around. There's there's no one dropping dead like flies. There's everyone is you know there's there's a, maybe a, a handful of people here and there wearing masks, but. There's no one sick. There's no one coughing on each other. It's, it is literally just a, a standard everyday day out there, isn't it, Andy? There's, there's no pandemic. No, yeah. It never has been even a sign of it in Queensland.
1: Well, this is it. And, and actually, you see, globally yeah. now, all the countries, it, it's actually been declared that the mortality of COVID-19 globally uh, is statistically proven to be within the margins usually associated with any normal influenza season. Mm-hmm. OK, mm. and that's in all countries. They've said that some countries have had a, uh, um, a higher number of influenza deaths than normal. Some have had a more mild influenza, but all of them are within the range of a normal influenza season. And what we've got happening here is a reclassification of death, uh, of the diagnosis of death with these influenza viruses Mm. what happened was they changed the classification so that instead of dying with influenza viruses you can now die of an influenza virus so as you know all the deaths have been in the elderly population with underlying health issues which in the past if one of the influenza um, uh, viruses had been identified such as H1N1 or in this case they're looking only for SARS-CoV-2 if that virus was um, found previous to 2020 then the person would have been said to, um, to have died with the influenza virus and died of say pneumonia yep. or lung edema or stroke or vasculitis but they've changed that this year to allow a, a respiratory virus that causes flu-like symptoms to be destated as a cause of death. Mm. But they're not identifying that one virus that they have claimed is the sole cause of all these deaths. They're not actually identifying that in these deaths or even in the cases of disease because the diagnostic tool they're using cannot do that. And, and what we know is that there'd be other viruses present, such as H1N1 and other, you know, respiratory viruses that are common at this time, but they're not looking for those. And we also know that the neurological damage that that they're observing and, and claiming are symptoms of this new disease, COVID-19, we know that that can be caused by medications and, in fact, vaccines. That sort of damage is listed specifically as being um, associated with vaccines and has been on the package inserts for decades. Yeah. So, so you see, we are we, not making these um, government officials the advice they're getting from you know the um, scientists. We're not making them accountable to even pros, you know, prove causality of, of a new disease that has such broad symptoms.
2: Yeah, we had um, some of our some German colleagues uh, pop onto the show. One, he Torsten Engelbrecht, who's a, 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 a journalist, and a medical doctor, Klaus Kernlein. And Dr. Klaus Kernlein, uh, he's been writing these articles with Torsten, and they've basically been screaming from the top of their lungs that um, this COVID-19 is is a scam, it's not real, it's... Um, you know, they're, all the things you've been saying, they're talking about the PCR test, you know, they've had, um, Torsten has had articles published over at offguardian.org, you know, about this PCR test and the, the fallacy that it is being used as a, as a tool of diagnosis. Um, just ripping the shreds of, I'll put that here in, in the chat for, of this Skype session. You can have a look and read that, read that um, well, yes, yourself if yes, you like, but it's uh, fascinating this, stuff. This
1: is, that's right. This is it. Literally thousands of of doctors, scientists, researchers. You know, we're all putting this stuff out there. But That's what I was getting see, at, yeah. Because we, we don't have a voice through the media, they're not making the government accountable. And without that independent media, they know that we can't have a say in, in um, political decisions. And the, the governments are only taking their advice from, you know, the medical industry-funded scientists. Mm-hmm. And... and all of these other independent epidemiologists, doctors who who have you know looked at the science properly, we're all being ignored, and that's why this censorship is is so criminal. Because this has happened in the past before. In my article in the Masters of Health, I've I've described the similarities between the polio outbreak in 1954 mm-hmm. and the COVID-19. Outbreak in 2020. What we have here are uh, two diseases that have very broad uh, will will have symptoms, um, uh, you know uh, that that can be caused by many many viruses, bacteria, and non-infectious agents. That is the case for the paralysis with polio that they observed in children in 1954. Mm. You know, which is similar to what we have today um, it, with COVID um, 19. There's many respiratory viruses that can cause flu-like symptoms. There's vaccines and medication that can cause that neurological damage. And epidemiologists and doctors are saying now that, the, the, that this um, disease is not contagious. You know, many of them are saying that. Yeah. It's not contagious because we know that they mandated the flu vaccine, both in the northern hemisphere winter and the southern hemisphere winter, for the first time ever, in, in all of these countries. And soon after, we had that first wave of deaths in the elderly with underlying health conditions in the northern hemisphere winter and then in Australia, having mandated that flu vaccine for all visitors and um, healthcare workers on the 1st of May. We had our supposed cluster of or second wave of, um, you know, deaths Um, you know, in in the Australian population, but nobody has proved that it was SARS-CoV-2 virus that actually caused these deaths. It is a media propaganda campaign that that's enabling this to um, be accepted and we, as in um, 1954, the media was allowed to promote um, the medical industry s- solution, which was the, the polio, the vaccine,
2: vaccine. The polio Sulk, vaccine, the polio vaccine, wasn't it the Salk polio
1: vaccine? That's right. Yeah. And um, the, it was the media that convinced the public that uh, the, the the this vaccine reduced polio in the um, community, when in fact, as Dr. Suzanne Humphries showed, and I have used this this evidence in that article in in the Masters of Of health magazine um, what what actually happened was they um, reclassified uh, the the polio they reclassified polio disease so in other words the diagnosis of the disease was reclassified and instead of diagnosing it with two um, uh, two diagnoses only 24 hours apart they left 60 days in between Mm. so all of that short-term paralysis was left out of the polio statistics. So they were able to start claiming when they brought in a vaccine that polio disease was declining, when in actual fact the paralysis in the population increased 50% from 1956 to 57 and 80% from 1958 to 59. But this was simply a reclassification of polio itself, claiming that it was only caused by this single polio virus, and hence the vaccine was able to reduce the numbers of um, um, polio that they were presenting to the public, but in actual fact paralysis in the population. Was still increasing. Yeah,
2: they just they just move the goalposts, don't they, Judy? That's they do. It seems to be it, modus operandi. Yeah,
1: that's right. They, you know, um, what is it? Statistics? Um, you know, lies and damned lies. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's literally um, just changing the criteria of diseases and then monitoring. You, you create. This is the first time in history that we've we've allowed uh, the healthy population to be monitored for with the PCR test, looking for influenza like symptoms or or even trying to identify a positive test in a healthy person and then listing them as a case of disease yeah so that that's how they manipulate the statistics disease statistics
2: yeah it's it's just insane i mean didn't didn't they even do it again and correct me if i'm wrong but now they're not even calling polio because apparently they've they've you know they've cured polio the vaccine has wiped out polio worldwide if you listen to them and now they've just reclassified it again to um, acute flaccid paralysis or something now, they call it? Like, they've just changed it again, the, the description Yes, of it.
1: yes, that's right. Um, and even transverse myelitis, which yeah. is a side effect of vaccines, is is literally symptoms of polio. You know, yeah. it's um, paralysis. And th- this is the thing. They're, they're unfortunately abusing the trust of the public. And, and it's criminal. It is a crime against humanity. And, you know, in 1954, they also changed the definition of an epidemic, so that you couldn't call an epidemic till you had higher numbers of, of the disease, you see. So so the similarities between 1954 and 2020 mm. are spot on. And, and we're hearing today that the end solution to this, to get our freedoms back, we're going to have to use a vaccine for a disease that's clearly no more serious than normal influenza virus, that is not killing people in our communities that we can even see. None of us, you know, are seeing any deaths, and they're all in the elderly people with underlying health conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and they're going to try and... Um, coerce us into this vaccine by taking away our right to participate in society.
2: Oh, but but, so, but Judy, it, it won't be mandatory. It's okay, remember? Scott Morrison said it won't be mandatory, but we'll just coerce you into getting it, basically.
1: Yeah. How how deceptive and evil oh. is that claim? Because already the the public has fallen for that, and they've allowed their children to a um, to. They are now required in Australia to get up to 16 vaccines to be able to go to childcare and education. Mm -hmm. You know, that is actually a very evil um, way, a a, a statement to say that they're not mandating it. When people can't live without childcare, they can't actually get money and earn money to put food on the table without childcare. So to actually claim that they're not making it mandatory mandatory is actually evil.
2: Correct, yeah. yeah. So
1: deceptive. It's a way I of saying
2: that's... it without and getting away with it. When in fact, it's actually the opposite. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure why the lawyers are allowing them to get away with it because um, you yeah. know it's breached, it's violated every international human right that Australia has ratified. We haven't just signed them. We've ratified these international um, human rights codes and we're presenting ourselves as a country that protects human rights. Yet we have a prime minister that brags about having brought in coercive vaccination and, and looking the people in the eye and saying, oh, but we haven't made it mandatory. And yet people can't get food on the table. They can't actually live life. But there's a whole group of the population now that can't get, that you're not even allowed to get employment without getting 10 vaccines in some areas of employment. And they have targeted students at university with all, for any health degree they do, not even telling the students that every health professional above 30 years of age in, in every um, um, area of health has never had the 10 vaccines. That they're being required to have. I mean, this is so deceptive and so criminal because we have a genetic diversity in the pop- in our population, and there's no drug um, that is safe to mandate in, in in every human being. Yeah, that's right. And we know there's serious risks for people that are predisposed to, to their genetics.
2: Yeah, exactly. Look, let's let's wind it back a little bit here because you've also talked about uh event two oh one as well in your article. Um and you know I felt I thought the the timing of your of your book was was it almost coincidental to me did you take that on board or uh, any, at all with regards to event two oh one and setting up for all this? Let's just chat about that.
1: That's a brilliant point Lee. Of course it wasn't coincidental. Um <laughs> in two thousand and fifteen, what I discovered in my PhD, you know, having gone back as you know someone with with a science degree who um had been in the schools observing all this chronic illness that was building up in the children. So of course, my only reason for going to study this was to see if it could be linked with the huge increase in chronic illness we're seeing in children. and um, so I you know I didn't, and so i thought i'd finished the phd in 2014 and then when we sent it to um, an international scientist uh, he said oh no no you haven't included in their global health policy (laughs) you know and of course it hadn't occurred to me to um, include global health policy but what i discovered was uh, it's actually the critical part of this whole um, situation um the world health organization is not designing the Um, global health policies. You've all now heard of the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunisation. So in 2015, I was discovering that uh, that organisation which was set up with funding from, largely with funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Mm -hmm. it actually um, it's the body, the Gabby Alliance is the body that designs immunisation policies for all who member countries. And every corporate Partner has influence in the design of these policies and the partners the corporate uh, the private public partners Include the Federation of pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. and it, cl- it includes um, The Rockefeller foundation it includes all the biotechnology companies that make genetically engineered vaccines It includes the World Bank and the in- International Monetary Fund now, of course That, you know, blew me away at the time, 2015, and, you know, I dutifully put that in my PhD. And um, when it was published on the website in January 2016, it resulted in, for an entire week, the Australian newspaper had articles denigrating my PhD, saying that I was a conspiracy theorist, telling the public...
2: Yeah. That, yeah, um, don't don't they don't talk about the context or anything that you put in there, it was all just attack you, it was ad hominem on you. That was all they could do, wasn't it?
1: Well that's right, and they just yep. wanted the public to believe it was a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. and an anti vaccination thesis, which was all completely untrue. And of course if if it had been a conspiracy theory, the university would have immediately disallowed it. Yeah, exactly. The only reason <laughs> that, that it was actually accepted and approved is because it's academic research and the evidence for those statements were provided, and yet the Australian public was allowed to be to led to be led to believe that it was a conspiracy theory and mm. it was an anti-vaccination. A thesis and i was defamed completely for an entire week after it was published then the university also used strategies to prevent people even wanting to read the thesis um, and they you know i could talk talk uh, you know about many of the strategies that have been used but in fact every um every uh, member of the uh, faculty of medicine health and science at the university of wollongong was required to sign their names to a statement written by a professor, a professor who has a degree in nutrition, uh, saying that um, they support the government's vaccination policies and the claims of safety and efficacy. Yet not a single one of those 60 academics had not only not read my thesis, they've never done in-depth research on this area of science, the vaccination program, or even the history of the control of infectious diseases. And not a single one of them had debated my research or, you know, but they all signed their names to it. (laughs) And this is what's happening throughout society. People at money, People know that their reputations depend upon supporting government policies. And we also know that doctors are gagged and that people are losing their jobs if they speak, uh, if they present the science against these policies. And yeah. that's what happens. You do lose your reputation.
2: It's a policy of don't bite the hand that feeds you, isn't it?
1: This is it. And, mm. and, and it puts them in, you know, between a rock and a hard place. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, until there's enough people prepared to speak truth to power, then, of course, people like myself just completely get denigrated. And, and you know, we're living in a society in Australia mm-hmm. now, this is for five years, where people have allowed scientists and researchers to be denigrated and ridiculed and defamed. The defamation about me, you know, it's all over Wikipedia. Mm. Uh, you Which know, you and, can't um, change, can you? Um, No, I can't change. It's locked. Wikipedia's locked. And so what what happens is all these scientific issues with vested interests, you've got organisations such as the Australian Skeptics, and the Skeptics organisation is global, and they're all linked to funding from the corporations and specifically the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm, If you go back through all these front organisations, you eventually come to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and that's with even The Guardian, the, the, The Guardian itself. Um, for global health policies is being funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation this is a whole complex web of funding that is keeping um, doctors and scientists from speaking up we're all being censored
2: yep and anyone can can go through and actually there's plenty of information with regards to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Uh, if you head over to the James Corbett's website corbettreport.com and just Forward slash Gates, And you can watch his documentary about that as well. It's fascinating and it's an extremely important documentary with regards to how the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is uh, doing all that funding and have their, their fingers in all the pies. But let's just move a little bit more closer to Event 201, um, Judy, and let's just talk about how that has now basically... That was the event that I guess had the the everything put in place, and it was given. That was the event that gave them the get go to to put all of this into place. And then let's move into um, the the reason behind it all. Like, why is this happening? We'll come to that as a conclusion. But let's just get into that event two hundred one because you also wrote about that as well.
1: Yeah, event 201. I mean, and, and it's brilliantly portrayed in Pandemic 2. I, I highly recommend everybody. Yes, that's another good,
2: another good documentary. I'll put, put that in the show watch notes.
1: Pandemic 2 because people don't realise they've been indoctrinated for three decades on the control of infectious diseases. It's it's now right through the school curriculums, uh, you know, from kindergarten to university. And there's three main myths that you that everybody's been told. One that vaccines controlled infectious diseases a complete lie Two, that vaccine reactions are rare and one in a million absolutely untrue Mm -hmm. and three that vaccines do not cause autism now the government hasn't provided any evidence to support those either of those myths that they are promoting through school curriculums through wikipedia through uh you know every mainstream media for the last three decades that's when this all started to unravel and um, so, because people are so um, entrenched in the mainstream media and, and don't realise that it's been a tool of propaganda, used as a tool of propaganda for, for centuries, and um, so the good thing we can say about COVID-19 is that it has at least assisted to jolt people, many people out of their indoctrination mm. and the indoctrination is so deep that you've even got comedians just always using anti-vaxxers as the back and butt of their jokes yep. and that's acceptable because they get, um, their reputations get enhanced and they know that when they make those jokes and, and they don't think about what they're saying, they, they're just looking at their reputation. And um, yep. And also in all the sitcoms, you know, the, the way they talk about vaccines. And, yeah, you know, it's, so always, have it's always promoted
2: in TV shows as well.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah. So all of this indoctrination is shown well in um, Event 201 when, you know, People need to start reframing this debate. I mean, how did they have this crystal ball that for the first time in history, they can predict exactly when we're going to get, you know, a pandemic of a disease. And um, so to have, you know, this event in October 2019, and then lo and behold, you know, by January, we're having a pandemic, which we haven't had serious outbreaks of disease um, you know, in, in countries, in developed countries, since 1950. You know, we've got adequate measures. The traditional measures of public health mean that, you know, we can keep these um, outbreaks of disease under control. You know, so this is where people need to start thinking, you know, man cannot use mathematical formulas with, with assumptions to predict a global pandemic. And, um, you know, it, it goes against all science. suggest you're locking up the healthy population as a precautionary measure. When they did that, they caused much more ill health, mental health, stress, anxiety and suicides uh, in the healthy population and every directive was designed to make them less healthy. And, you know, it's not a measure that's ever been used in history. So, you know, I'm just hoping That people will start looking at this, you know, reframing how they're they're being presented with this information. Because if you turn it, if you reverse what you're being told, you'll you'll find that that's the truth.
2: Mm. Andy, um, I'll just throw it to you, mate. You have a a question for, for Judy? You're on mute too, Big Phil. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, <about> <laughs> Judy. I just I agree with everything that you say, and and like a lot of the comments that you've made are like exactly like what we've been saying all year in regards to this whole um, Cove scam. Um, you know, like so. The, the in a nutshell, the world is run basically. Uh, pharma companies, Rockefeller institutes, biotech, World Bank, Gates. Um, you know, Gates. Uh, you know, all of the people that are getting the benefits from from all of this, like um, fraud, are basically overarching over the top of a the global alliance for health and, and the WHO, which seem to be running the Pacific nations, by the way. Um, and then underneath all of that, we've got our our elected officials. Is it no wonder that we're in such a like dire straits with? Our like top-down, upside-down, like um, political systems, and you know, le- le- the le- uh, hidden leaders, which are obviously in that first group that I just mentioned. Um, <laughs> you know, the the situation politically is so hopeless and so it, it beyond is. help, in my opinion. Yes, um,
1: that's, yeah. I I,
0: I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know even where to go from here, other than. You know, like removing the whole systems of government and basically starting again.
1: Well, Um, there's a lot of political barriers that have led to this corrupt system that we have. And they've been explained in my PhD, you know, I I uncovered a lot of them. They're literally changes to our political system that could be made to prevent this situation from happening. Because what we've got here is the medical industry complex having a tyranny, a medical tyranny of the knowledge. And they've done this by, um, they've got a hegemony. Literally, then they're not being made accountable for the science they're using, and the peer-reviewed system of science doesn't do that either. That because of the funding of all the journals now. That's all described in my thesis, in my thesis and my book. Um, so what we have, um, when you know, is the medical industry took over the area. This public health issue, you see, um, uh, the control of infectious diseases isn't a medical issue. Right. That's the key. This is a public health issue that didn't require medicines to control these diseases. And that's all to do with how how viruses cause disease. You know, they don't do it on their own. The environmental and host characteristics play a big role in how seriously you will get a disease if you're exposed to that virus. And that will when you are exposed to these viruses, as you know, now you can be asymptomatic. That is no symptoms at all, and you'll still get long term immunity from having that subclinical infection. Um, but other people might get seriously sick from being infected with that virus, and that's to do with you know their own um, environmental conditions and host characteristics. You know, if they're run down, if they haven't got nutrition to build up their um, body systems, um, all of those things. Uh, interact together they're all factors that interact to decide how seriously you'll get a disease if you're exposed to it now what we know is in a developed country with all of these respiratory viruses 99% of people are exposed to these viruses that give flu-like symptoms including all mutated coronaviruses every year 99% of people will get asymptomatic Or non-serious cases of these diseases and they are not a risk to anyone around them they create they get immunity to the disease which means that that helps with herd immunity and we never know about these cases normally because we're not setting up hundreds of surveillance stations all around the state like in Victoria to collect samples of, of You know, a test that doesn't even identify the virus that they're looking for. Mm. But they've all been then included, these healthy people, are then included in these cases of disease that they're presenting. You know, that's the crime that's being committed. And this, you know, the medical industry is not being made accountable for this science they're using. And in our government, it's the donations and lobbying system that has allowed the medical industry complex, through the Australian Medical Association, through the Australian Skeptics, through the Friends of Science in Medicine and other um you know pharmaceutically funded lobby groups that that act that say that they're consumer groups when in fact their funding is coming from the medical industry, the big pharma, they have now got access to our politicians.
0: Mm -hmm. And someone like
1: myself that has in depth knowledge of how infectious diseases have been controlled for decades i wasn't given access to a single politician and that happened with the federal government and also with the state government here in wa Uh, last year when the west australian government pushed through a no jab no play policy that now requires all the children in wa to get 12 to 16 vaccines before they go to childcare. and there wasn't a single politician that stood up and supported the public interest in this issue which is simply Fully informed consent to all medications without coercion, the Nuremberg Code, all the medical, the international health, sorry, international human rights covenants that we're signed up to. That should have been represented by one politician at least in the, in the WA government. We, we, we were writing to all of them and not a single West Australian politician stood up for the public interest in these policies and supported uh, the Nuremberg Code and the right for fully informed consent to to this medication, vaccines. And now, you know, it went through in six days, uh, you know, without any debate and without any representation of the public. We, we were denied access to the politicians. Um, so it is the donations and lobbying system and the fact that the media, we do not have an independent uh, media in australia um, on health issues and that's global now you know because these yeah. are global health policies um, but without that you cannot make politicians accountable and they're literally committing a crime against humanity because the vaccines and um, you know it was predicted by Macfarlane banana a nobel prize winner in 1952 that using more and more vaccines could destroy the genetic fabric of society well, my research found, discovered that um, today in all developed countries, we have at least 52% of children 0 to 14 years of age have a chronic illness, uh, you know, we, many of them life-threatening, um, and this includes autism and, and neurological damage through seizures, convulsions, allergies. And many parents are now long-term carers for their children who will never reach their potential in life because we are not getting a voice on this issue with our politicians. Yeah, And, you know, the donations and lobby system is a big part of that.
0: All by design. Andy, you had another thing to add? Uh, I, just, I just wanted to, like, drill down, if I may, Judy, like, about about these politicians, right? And let's, 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 let's drill down a little bit like with your premier over there, Mark McGowan, right? <laughs> I mean, it's obvious they have a, a, a boss. I mean, though, the comments that you've just made in regards to thing, like I've heard, me and Lee, we've, we've, we've spent seven months talking along a similar sort of line. Surely these people must know the truth somewhere along the line. Are they absolutely criminal? Are they in you? This is your opinion, Judy. Are they absolute criminals, or are they completely clueless, like like blind, clueless idiots? Like yeah, which is it? Like, like yeah, no, I, I can me, explain. Me, oh, give me a leg up here. Yes, because yes, I, I can think explain. this is a cornerstone. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, this is to do with the labelling of. Anybody who presents the science that, that shows the risks of vaccines or shows that the benefits of vaccines have been um, over-exaggerated, anybody who, who dares to speak up gets labelled an anti-vaxxer, an anti-vaxxer. And with that label, uh, you you lose your job. You can be sidelined from your job, you're immediately sidelined. I've seen it happen. Uh, you are denigrated in the media, your reputation gets destroyed. and Uh, You know, the conversation website, which pretends that it's, uh, well, which states that it's a a, a website for academics to debate their academic research. (laughs) When I debate my research on public health and the control of infectious diseases, I get denigrated, ridiculed, and abused. And that's a form of violence. So, what happens is, you know, we don't comment anymore because not only do you lose your reputation, it's very stressful and and um, you know psychologically damaging to get that that um, abuse all the time, and therefore we don't speak up, and therefore there appears to be a consensus of the science. It, it presents to the public a consensus of the science that's not real. And you see, so losing their jobs. Politicians know that uh, because of the donations and lobbying system, their jobs are on the line if they are seen to be an anti-vaxxer. And that that definition, of course, is being defined by the Australian Health Practitioners Regulatory Board, you know, which um, they're controlling the knowledge. Mm. And so the evidence in my thesis, all that academic literature and medical literature that shows the risks of vaccines... That shows the lack of benefit of some vaccines. If if a, a health professional or a politician uses that, and the the medical the um, a regulatory board can can just claim that they think it's anti-vaccination because it's not part of the information they're showing to doctors or scientists they're using selective information to to the doctors and health professionals that, that, that you know are being required to promote vaccines so again we've got an arbitrary definition of you know this anti-vax label controlled by the medical board and doctors and nurses are deregulated when they present the information in my PhD, that, that academic literature. So they're not using the whole um, full um, scope of academic literature to promote vaccines. And when they, in 2015, when the government um, uh, uh, put through the no jab, no pay, that was Scott Morrison as the Minister for Social Services who lodged that, um, tabled that um, legislation. The, the bill, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they removed all the allied health professionals from being um, allowed to give vaccines or promote, you know, um, talk about vaccines in their practice. It, it was actually then. Um, only the general practitioners that, that, that were, were allowed to then control that knowledge and um, give vaccines. So they actually, you know, by doing that, you see, the allied health professionals use the full body of, of, of uh, medical literature to make their judgments. They, they use peer review science. And so by excluding the allied health professionals and also regulating them through the health uh, the Australian Health Practitioner's Regulatory Board. Again, you gagged all of those.
2: That's right. You um, took away the voice. Well. Yeah, you took away their voice. So it's
1: all, yeah, it's all about reputations and jobs and, and so much money. The, the pharmaceutical companies, the medical industry complex, has all a lot of money to do these things. They can fund the trolls that abuse us yeah. online. And no no professional or politician will speak up because, you know, we need to get food on the table as well. And, of course, I, I wasn't able to work in my field of public health once I started to speak up. And, and you know, others that supported my research also, um, you know, needed to be very careful.
2: So what I, what I garner from that, Judy uh, and Andy, and I don't want to speak for her, but it seems like what you're saying is in regards to your answer, Andy, with regards to the leadership in parliament in Western Australia, I guess all over the place, it doesn't matter what they actually believe on a personal level because it it's not even taken into the equation. It's just no, so it's controlled not. from the top that, down. So it really doesn't matter what correct. our leaders believe or not. It's got I, nothing I've to do with what they believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've actually seen evidence of that in our politicians. We've had a conversation with them on one situation and then the next you know, week or so, they're saying something quite different. Mm. and um, it's,
2: it's, it's just that two-party system is too controlled.
1: It is- it's very controlled, and they all have advisors now that prevent them seeing certain information. There is a real bubble mm-hmm. around politicians. Mm-hmm. I, I was blown away, actually, when we had our... Um, we, we, we tried to organise a national rally um, outside Parliament House, federal Parliament House in Canberra um, in September t- last year. And, um, when you know, I'm not even sure that you're aware, but any government employee is now in Australia no longer t- allowed to attend um, any protest against a government policy, even if it's not in the area in which they work in government. <laughs> they, that's right. So, Far so they see each other as well. So, look, you know, we organised this rally at very short notice and it was a national rally. We were thrilled to get, you know, 200 people there, you know, with placards and, um, yep. you know, we had a great day outside Parliament House. But in Australia now, you're not allowed to protest outside Parliament House unless you're over 500 metres away from the building, which is across the road in a park, and they have um, guards with machine guns walking up and down in front and um, so then you know the politicians actually probably didn't even see us there they certainly wouldn't have heard us even though we had the loudspeakers and the hailers and um, and because you're so removed from parliament house so when we talk about the canberra bubble you've got policy advisors now that prevent politicians actually seeing some of this research Uh, and also you know we're, we're, we're being uh, removed. Our voice has been so removed that they virtually don't see any opposition to yeah. this because of the bullying and the labelling of people that try to speak up. But, and that's the public interest in this issue, the yeah. risk of vaccines. That's been called anti-vax material uh, and, you know, it is very sinister.
2: Representative government is dead in my point of view, to be honest, at the at the it, moment it, anyway. it, died a long time ago when it It did, it's died controlled. 10
1: years ago. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when I first spoke up, I mean, I was a parent and a lecturer at um, the university here. And when we attempted to um, uh, present my public health research at the state library, uh, the uh, abuse from the West Australian was so great, you know, it was sort of anti-vaxxers misuse of the state library. Uh, and then they described... myself who's literally just a parent and a a teacher um, as as, you know when we present our opinions they described it the shadow arts minister said it's it's equivalent to the klu klux klan and bikey gangs presenting their opinions that's the sort of information we get from the west australian and they've been doing it for 10 years and what that meant was we put in. Fortunately, the West Australian public is a awa- you know awake to those sorts of tactics, and um, it backfired. We we booked out the state library twice with over two hundred people, and but I found myself as a parent. We needed to put on extra guards and police, you know, around <laughs> at the state building because of the abuse that the uh, managers got for putting on the event. Yeah. You know, that's oh. Australia. That's Australia today, and people don't realise that this is happening, that the censorship started 10 years ago. This debate has never been allowed in the Australian media for 10 years, and our curriculums are promoting uh, propaganda about vaccines that people are so indoctrinated, um, you know, many of us have said, oh, what a relief it is that COVID's come along, because at least some people have been jolted out of that indoctrination. Uh, But getting back to your question... You asked if it was a coincidence that my book had come out at exactly the <laughs> time we were being locked down. And the answer is no, of course not. Because when you know that the Gabby Alliance includes the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, so they had then, you know, I could see they had tied public health in all countries to the economy. And, of course, what we're seeing today with this pandemic is is literally the global reset it's more about the economy it's I'm not right. about a
2: virus. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um but yeah. just before we move on from there Andy I mean you can speak to that that sort of censorship as well. Remember when we were trying to um well you mainly we were trying to find a venue to screen the first vaxxed film and what was the opposition we came up against there mate remember?
0: Oh man that was that was the toughest thing in my I've ever done honestly. Yes.
1: Yeah. It was yeah. just, and it
0: was such and and like Judy says, when you first embark on these things, you expect people to act normal, right? Venue hosts and stuff like that too, and and when when this this hits you and you get this this hidden backlash from this hidden force, man, it just it just takes your breath away. Yeah, it's absolutely your feet, doesn't it, mate?
1: it? It certainly yeah, does, yeah, yeah. and um, you know, it's so hidden to the average Australian, uh, you know. With that vaxxed movie that came, you know, the the US um, mm-hmm. crew came to Australia and I think that was just after my thesis was published, so 2016, 17. And yeah. at that time you had and um, by this time I was aware of who some of these individuals were in the Australian Skeptics and they would be giving commentary in the, the Australian media saying how, for example, Sherry Tenpenny's Tour, Dr Dr. Sherry Tenpenny's tour of Australia had to be cancelled around yep. that time because the, the owners of the venues were targeted by the abuse from the Australian sceptics, the that's Sabin right. Group, Stop the Australian Vaccination Network, mm-hmm. and you see their reputations get destroyed, so that's their livelihood, so they pull out. Yeah. And, and, and those subtle tactics have been happening now for a good 10 years and the, the Australian public doesn't realise that. So, so you know, Australia has prevented Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, from coming to Australia. And then, you know, absolutely tragically, Polly Tommy and, you know, Suzanne Humphreys were actually banned from coming to the country after they had been, you know, they they, they experienced a ban because... And this is parents promoting, uh, you know, the scientific information that shows the risks of a medical procedure. Mm -hmm. And yet the Australian public... Doesn't bat an eyelid because it doesn't affect them directly at the time. They don't get involved. Yeah, that's and, right. And the, the the strategies are very hidden. You know, I could actually write a book on all the strategies they've used. Um, but yeah, so as you say, for the last five years, we've had to have secret venues that only get released on the day of the talk, and that happened here in Perth last weekend. Um, By this time I was thinking we could actually promote my my, um, academic research and the venue that I was going to speak in. Well, no, the AMA targeted the um, owners of the venue and they had to pull out through the pressure that was put on them, even though they were very supportive of me and my research. So we then found another venue at short notice uh, we had tickets being sold through the agency, and because the AMA didn't know who the who, where the venue was, they targeted the agency, and we got rung <laughs> up again, saying that a doctor had made made a complaint, an anonymous doctor. They're always anonymous.
0: Yeah.
1: And and they had complained about the, that we that uh, the ticket agency was breaching the terms and comi- their terms and conditions yeah. by selling tickets for this event. You know, and this is academic research that's being prevented from being given in a public venue. Anyway, we got around that and we still held the, held the talk. But they're the things we're coming up against and have done for the last five years.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's just insane. Yeah, very insane. Uh, I'm glad before you mentioned that um, part of the reset because that's where I wanted... I posed that question to you a little bit earlier. Where, where do you think this is all going and what's it all leading to? Um, because you, you've painted a very... Dark picture in that article, which which I, by the way, folks, I'll be republishing and putting on the realnewsaustralia dot com website for everyone to have a look at, and I'll be sending that out to all my members. There's over three thousand uh, subscribers, so it'll, it will get out there, Judy. Um, But, yeah, we've just been bouncing back and forth with regards to getting a version I can use. (laughs) Sorry about that, by the way. Um, No problem. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, The Great Reset, because, you know, I put put up an article on September 15th, which was uh, actually a clip um, that Sky News put up. Where they themselves, Sky News has actually been sort of coming to the forefront a little bit more in, in terms of mainstream media, putting these bits of tidbits of information out for the public to see. Um, but they actually went on uh, to basically discuss that the uh, the Great Reset is being used as a Trojan horse. And I'm pretty sure that was in their own words as well. So I'll put that in the show notes for people to, to, to relook if they haven't seen that one yet. Um but they basically say on the bottom of the of the screen on their screen capture which I've put on there, great reset, socialist it's a socialist so oh my god, tongue tied, socialist Trojan horse. Um, and they've got you know, COVID nineteen and climate change. The global response to COVID, you know, reduced fossil fuel use. Next to no international travel. Welfare for all. Civil liberties curtailed. Government by bureaucrats. You know, this is this is part of a plan that we've seen. Um, it's been in the making for a long time, and that plan is now being rolled out as we speak. But I mean, do you you obviously I'm I'm guessing you see this plan being rolled out. But I mean, where do where's it going next? What's your summation, Judy? Where were we heading next in this?
1: Yes, as you say, um, my research exposed and it's documented in my 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 thesis and my book um, how this has been planned over the last um, three decades. Mm-hmm. So we've watched it all play out and how global health policies. Um, became controlled by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Now, you know, so um, you've got to look at the evidence here as to, um, you know, what, what's, what the goal might be. And, um, you know, eugenics has been part of the Bill and Melinda Gates family for a long time. Um, we need to look at population control as being part of this agenda um, and certainly um the vaccine you know they they've clearly stated uh you know for the last decade that that all the whole, the whole population must be vaccinated to control these diseases and that was stated immediately that the covid-19 disease you know became was talked about right from january oh, we won't go back to normal until we get a vaccine mm-hmm. uh, and you know the the prime minister has made sure he says that you know it'll be as coercive as possible which does mean that travel will be restricted you won't be able to travel in certain areas without a vaccine and we're not just talking the COVID vaccine this is just uh, the first one that they'll mandate for adults they've done They've in australia we've they've succeeded for children it's now the government that can decide what is injected into a child in this country you know and that's your most fundamental human freedom is your right to bodily autonomy and because of the framing of these issues through the, the, the mainly murdoch media in australia that the public didn't wake up to this because they weren't given proper information um, about what no jab no pay actually meant so in effect Australian parents have already given their children to the government to have vaccines that they never had for their freedom in society because they weren't necessary and actually hadn't been developed, but they didn't cotton on to that, you know, um, and so, they, so so basically this is about coercive vaccination um, and this particular vaccine, the COVID vaccine, we know will have hydrogels in it and nanoparticles, all of which... Um, add to the artificial intelligence um, um, which we they're bringing into the community for greater control of population and that does feed into the 5g the implementation of all the 5g so that um you know humans can be monitored Track um, and traced trace. cameras yep. Um, that you know and and that that 5g does interact with our bod- bodily um, functions um, as i said a virus is more virulent according to the environment that it's in and and the radiation does affect our immunity um immune systems and um, um to, you know, so, and the aluminium in the vaccines mm-hmm. adds to their ability to, with the nanoparticles to be able to um, monitor us and even be able to to be able to detect whether you've had a vaccine or not just by uh, putting a, a machine to your skin, you know, just by contact, you know. Um, so all of these things do add into a bigger picture of surveillance.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we've been talking about that. I've been doing quite a few exposés uh, with regards to the track and trace agenda. There's quite a few articles on the Real News Australia website with that specifically in mind. Um, well, look, you, you, paint a, you, paint, you paint a dark and morbid future for us, Judy, but uh, unfortunately it is the truth. It is, in fact, where we are heading. The statistics and the evidence and everything you've researched does not lie. It is all there for people to see in black and white um look and speaking of which you know um actually before we get to that i won't move on to that just yet i forgot i wanted to mention one other thing as well um in terms of what we can do about raising the awareness right now we the Vaxed bus tour has been has done its rounds in in queensland they've you know they came up against some opposition we did a live um a live podcast show, didn't we, Andy, from uh, the Logan uh, location in Queensland? Uh, from that one, so we had Meryl Dory on, and a few other uh, of uh, you know um, who we had. Tricky was on I there. We had uh, yeah, uh, Anita Anita Halfmaster was on there. We had all these people uh, live on the um, on the show, which was a really good episode. Um, we reached, geez, it was, I think it was over two thousand views or something. It did quite well. Anyway. Um, Ethan over at TOTT News, our, our other co-host and mate, um, has put up an article just recently that the Vaxxed Tour has uh, now launched in New South Wales, and he's got a whole bunch of dates there. The locations will be, of course, released closer to those times, so people can find out there, but make sure they head over to the AVN Vaxxed Bus Tour website. So that's one thing that people are, are doing to raise awareness, to give a voice to the people who have been injured by vaccines, Uh, to talk to highlight the fact of these families who haven't vaccinated their their children as well we're seeing a lot of stories coming out from families who are fully unvaccinated and they're they're as healthy as can be you know there is no danger of all these diseases that they tell us about Um, but they are coming up against some opposition too and I'll, i'll i'll show you this so in newcastle i'll just share this with the folks uh newcastle has put up uh, the Newcastle Mayor, uh, Nua Tali Nelms, I think her name is, Lord Mayor of Newcastle. This is what she put up on her social media uh, on the 14th of October, just a couple of days ago. I've been alerted by public health professionals, <laughs> professionals anyway, that the so-called Vaxed bus plans to visit Newcastle at the end of October. Public health experts have advised me that some of the information... Pushed by this organisation includes that vaccines cause autism and that COVID 19 is nothing more than a bad cold. City of Newcastle will not tolerate the spreading of dangerous misinformation about public health matters. We will ban the event and any anti vaccination events from occurring on any of our land or at any of our facilities and will take enforcement action if any unapproved events take place in our city. I have also written the New South Wales Police Commissioner Mike Fuller and the New South Wales Minister of Health, the Honourable Brad Hazard, uh, asking them to use full force of their powers to ban this event from Newcastle and New South Wales. I mean, that is the kind of thing that um, we're up against here. You know, these are the the leaders that we apparently elect in these uh, so-called selections that we have. Uh, And they are not for freedom of choice. They are not for vaccine safety. They are not for any of this. They are for... Have your vaccines and shut up and don't listen to anything else. That's what these people actually stand for. They do not stand for science or anything else, but apparently they have all the experts on their side and you just listen to the language used in that post by that Lord Mayor of Newcastle. That's what we're up against.
0: I was about to say, the language is just copy and paste like from so many times. like It's tiring, mm. honestly. It's mm. just the same, same lag, language verbatim.
1: that's right and if I could put that in perspective for you please do yeah because you see that's how they shut me down as well they just simply claim it's misinformation and this is an absolutely disgraceful um, situation you know Australia what we're what what that simple strategy is doing is removing academic freedom press freedom And, you know, bodily autonomy with regards to, you know, medical freedom in Australia. Mm -hmm. You know, Australia needs to wake up and say, well, hang on a minute, Um, you know, we no longer have debates on the science it's just simply just any science put forward by academics or parents that question vaccines is simply dismissed as misinformation or anti-vaccination you know there is no longer any scientific debate happening on this topic and i know that um 100 because i've attempted to do it through the university channels as well and they select out the papers so that's how they select out our voice on through the academic channels. We don't have independent um, press in Australia. Uh, and, and, you know, think about the journalists who were frightened to put anything out in the public mm-hmm. interest over the COVID thing, because just after the uh, Liberal government got into power again in May last year, the first thing they did was raid the offices of the ABC and raid News Corp offices and leave those journalists in limbo right until this point in this this year, just until this week. Um, we've heard that they aren't going to press charges, but how interesting that all journalists were made to fear putting anything out in the public interest, just as we're having a pandemic of a disease, mm. which doesn't make any, which where none of the evidence or strategies that they used are even, you know, in the least bit scientific. They're completely the reverse of um, promoting health in the community. So this is where we are in Australia. You know, if if the Australian people are happy to accept, um, you know, losing, not debating the science and not making um, the medical industry Um, accountable such as the Australian Medical Association and all the lobby groups who control our politicians and let me say the politicians have no qualifications in health whatsoever (laughs) so they're completely you know um, compliant with anything they're told and and, and they know that they lose their jobs if they don't agree with the AMA the Australian Medical Association and meanwhile the rest of us you know uh, there is no academic freedom in Australia any longer um, you know, I've got all the evidence of, of the way I've been treated and the way my thesis was treated. Um, if, In fact, if it hadn't been for me putting out my newsletter for eight years, no one would have even heard of this research. And. Um, I think it would have taken a lot longer to get this debate happening because it goes globally. And we've now had 29,000 downloads of my PhD from the website, which is in complete um, opposition to a a university that attempt to suppress that research by getting every member of the medical faculty to sign a statement on their website, which was actually a breach of integrity. The university is misusing its logo um, to deceptively... Um, claim to the public that they support the, the, the you know the government's vaccination program when, when not a single one of those academics have even looked at the science underpinning that, that that program, you know. So it was my own efforts over eight years that that enabled my research to be unlocked, to to have 29,000 downloads, and every day it's being downloaded. And um, you know, it, but because I'm an independent researcher. These, our research doesn't get promoted to the public unless it's funded by industry. You're never going to hear about it. So there's, mm. there's actually other PhDs saying the same thing and written in the medical faculty of the University of Wollongong that are sitting on the shelf and that have never been you know, accessed collecting, by the public. Just collecting public. dust, yeah. Collecting dust. And yeah. well, um, that's, that's the tragedy of what we call... See, pseudoscience is being used by the government to take away our freedoms. And without this scientific debate, to come to to just have these these you know politicians claim that it's misinformation and bring out the police and let's put the military on the border to control a virus, mm. you know it, it's literally um, a tragedy for human health. It is an attack on humanity. so so unless the public does wake up, and, um, and, and look, it's simply a matter of demanding that we have academic debate, that we have scientific debate, not, not um, you know, be swayed by spin uh, about certain p- perspectives of this issue. And that's what's happened.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's just sad. Um, speaking of the thesis, can we, um, is there a link to, to that thesis? Actually, there's two things I want to ask you um obviously your latest book i want you to, to let, let the folks know where they can um, get a copy of that book and we'll put a link in the show notes as well where they can find your website and where they can find that thesis as well
1: well all of that is actually um on my uh website vaccination decisions so .net. yeah www.vaccinationdecisions.net. vaccination excellent yep and um so Basically, do, is that on the home? you know, my thesis, uh, uh, the reason is. I, I've ended up turning it into a book because so many people had said, you know, they've read it and, they, you know, they found it very compelling. And um, because it's so relevant to this issue, so I've put it into a, a more readable format. And that, that's what my book is. It's Vaccination, Australia's Loss of Health Freedom. But on top of that, it includes an extra append, appendix which describes some of those strategies that I've just mentioned with regard to the political barriers that have been put in place that are allowing this corruption, because that's what it is. It's corruption and it is a crime. You know, I'm actually not proud to be living in a country where our Prime Minister brags that he was the one that passed the no jab, no pay and play. no one is. Which is literally a crime against humanity. It is not supported by any international human rights code that Australia signed up to. But not only that, it's not even supported by medical ethics. Coercion in a medical procedure is a crime in a genetically diverse population. Mm -hmm. And we've reached that point without the public being allowed to get involved in this debate. They're not even being allowed to see the issues framed correctly because 80% of our media is owned by the Murdoch Media. And they make the biggest, they, they own the, um, uh, the um, research and development of vaccines in Australia through the Murdoch Children's Research Institute. You know, so there's a whole lot of conflicts of interest there I could go into and some of them are actually described in my book. Uh, but with changes to the political system, you know, we can actually maintain our, our health in government policies. Um, and, and in the book, I've also got three health professionals and scientists that have written forwards for the book that endorsed the research and have said, you know, um, that humanity is at risk at this point in our history, and we need to take a good look at how we control infectious diseases. And, and, for you know, 2020 is the first year that we've reversed all of those health protocols, you know, just with the switch of a you know click of a finger, and people are complying with it. It's absolutely mortifying.
2: Mm. Well, I'm going to go ahead um, and and do the uh, PayPal donation for the amount for you and, and grab a copy of that book to support what you're doing, Judy. Um, so look forward, look for that one coming up shortly in your, in your email. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. No yeah. worries. Um, so, yeah, folks, please head over to vaccinationdecisions.net and uh, grab a copy of that book. See all of uh, the wonderful work that Judy has put into all of this. Is your thesis available on the, on your
1: website as well? It is. It's on the homepage. There's a link directly to the university website. Um, that, so I'm it can be downloaded that. from there. Um, I should point out, um, as well as I mentioned to you before we started, um, my newsletter, as of last weekend, has been censored by Mailchimp. So at yes. the moment, yes. people can't sign up to the newsletter. However, you know, over the next couple of weeks, I, I will put an update on my blog on the website and let people know where they can actually sign up to it from now on.
2: Yes, yeah. and we we did talk about that uh, prior to re- recording the episode. So thank you for uh, for adding that. I did forget about that. You mentioned that yeah so don't subscribe just yet hold off on that one and um judy will update everyone on where that uh you can you can subscribe a little bit later on to keep up to date with all of the uh, wonderful topics and things that she writes about andy uh any final uh questions or thoughts uh, on today's interview before we wrap it up mate
0: uh yeah thanks mate uh look i just uh, what's bouncing in my head it's just like it's just like uh, a novel from brave new world isn't it
1: where where yeah,
0: governments have just run by the pharmaceutical industry, and and Lee, you you shared with me that um, link to that new series coming out too. Mm. Um, and Judy, have a look at it if you get the chance. That new TV series that uh, from from UK TV, it's just it's absolutely jaw dropping. Um, you know how how this kind of sinister plan just all fits into place with that kind of series, where basically the the mainstream world government world is basically is controlled completely by the pharmaceutical industry and humans are completely controlled by like pills and drugs and and whatever yes. and then you've got that and then you've got that what do they call it lee that the savage lands that they paint it is is the great unwashed where all of these people are just shoved into poverty and you know like like terrible living conditions and stuff like that. that's mm. the picture that they paint that that, you know, that you must go into this direction, into our beautiful world where, you know, where monogamy is dead and, you know, we're like we'll have have drugs that will just take all your pain away. You don't want to be like them in the savage lands. And you know what, if we keep on going, that reality is, is definitely our future unless we can awaken quickly, because I believe that's actually the business plan from these lunatics. It's funny yeah. you should
2: um, – oh, sorry if I can just chime in there. Very, very um, coincidental uh, and synchronistic that you mentioned that, Andy, because coming up um, on October 28th, I believe, um, we will be interviewing an author of a fantastic book that's that's just come out. He actually published it in November last year, just before. So he'd been writing this for a little while, and uh, he eventually finally got it to publish uh, in November 2019, and it's his book is uh, he, he writes under the the pen name of uh, where is it? have got it. Vindal Vandenkoff is his pen name, uh, and he will be a guest on our um, bonus content show for the um, subscribers about his book. And I'll send you a copy of it, Andy. It's called A Brave New Future. Twenty Eighty Four Bitcoin is what his future is. What his book is, but basically everything we've just been talking about, the whole COVID pandemic. Everything that we've been talking about, where things are going, uh, all the things you were just mentioning before, Andy, he's he's writing about this in a fictional book. Like, he's got fictional characters, he's writing in a fictional sense, and then, lo and behold, it it all started to happen. This world went into a pandemic, you know, with regards to a, uh, a virus and all this. And he, he was just blown away that his his prediction sort of came true, you know. So he's trying to get Everett, spread the word and he had this book for sale on Amazon, which he's now I believe he's just he just reduced the price to zero. I think he just wants everyone to get a copy of this so he can so people can see uh, what he's written about. And he says in the little blurb at the beginning, he says, This book is dedicated to the young generation of this planet. May you keep and protect the freedom of the world for your uh, for future children. Question everything, question the narrative. No problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. For this planet to live in peace and prosperity, humans need to go to the next level of consciousness. And that's what he's sort of putting the blow with the book. But yeah, I'll, I'll send that you a copy of that one as well, Judy. It's only yeah. it's about 250 pages, and it's a quite. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm about 35 pages in. It's very interesting. It's, it's, again, it's a work of fiction, but you, you'll, yeah, you'll well, read along say, and you'll be blown away.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's a perfect comment to make because, you see, that's why a lot of people don't can't see this and don't want to see this because it does appear so dark and it appears so incredibly outrageous that it couldn't happen and so i you know at times i think oh my god you know like can this really be happening but you know it actually is happening and it's easier for people to actually believe it's a conspiracy theory because that's what they want to believe and because the mainstream media keeps telling them that and of course you know it, it, it's not a conspiracy theory, and of course, as I said, the the university would have, you know, um, removed my PhD immediately if the evidence wasn't there. You know, this audacious plan is actually happening, and um, people do need to jump on board. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I totally agree, and it's good to see that we've got at least some people trying. You yeah, we've got the IMOP party really, really pushing forward over the next Queensland election um you know we need to get some sort of foothold we've got the vax bus touring trying to alert people you said it yourself earlier that um this this covid pandemic has actually almost shot themselves in the foot a little bit but i think they kind of knew that might have been coming but you know swaths of people have been waking up as a result of um this this you know the covid uh, so-called pandemic, i should say uh, and they're waking up. They're asking more questions, and they're looking for more information. They're coming to our side of the fence, and it's really good to see. And uh, let's really hope that they, we can point them towards information like uh, like yours, Judy. Um, That's so,
1: fantastic. And if I could just say one last thing, please, because you know, to all the professionals, you know, the police, the doctors, the nurses, um, politicians, even, you know, I, you know, even now, I, I people are they keep they're, they're, they're complying with the system to keep their jobs and their money. And you know there is no future for our children if we don't stop the politicians in their tracks right now, and it means not complying with these regulations that completely have no scientific basis. Mm. So integrity needs to come back into all of the professions and the, they need to start standing up and, and declaring the science. If we do this en masse, then we have power. And, and so we do need people to choose which side of the fence they want to be on because the, the further we go down this track, the more uh, these professionals will find that they're on the corrupt side of the fence and they will be taken down with it. And so the sooner they, they speak up, the better. And, um, you know, to to... They need to think about a society where a traffic light system controls where they can move and where, where, you know, a vaccine decides whether they can go overseas or come back or even, you know, go to work without 10 vaccines. I mean, these are things that are coming and, um, you know, now's the time to stand up. Medical freedom.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Andy, thanks again for joining us for the show. And, of course, uh, everyone, Dr Judy Wileyman, thanks again for... Joining us on our, our little podcast here, we will push this out to all of our supporters and listeners. Uh, an email will go out, so we'll, we'll spread the word for this as well and try and get as much of your information out there as possible, Judy. So thanks again for coming on for a chat. It's been really wonderful having you on and a long time coming. and I'm, I'm glad uh, you're able to come on. If there's any other future developments in regards to this field, then uh, please get in touch. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you back on again to, to talk some more about these crucial, crucial uh, points of information that you bring to life. Thanks, Judy.
1: Yeah, thanks, Leigh. Thanks for having me. That's great.